Chapter 26 of The Covered Wagon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Grant Ingrav. The Covered Wagon by Emerson Huff. Chapter 26. The purple mantle of the mountain twilight was dropping on the hills when Bridger and Carson rode out together from the Laramie stockade to the Wingate encampment in the valley. The extraordinary capacity of Bridger and Matters Alcoholic left him still in fair possession of his faculties, but some new purpose, born of the exaltation of alcohol, now held his mind. "'Let me see that little dingus you had, Kit,' said he. "'That piece of gold.' Carson handed it to him. You got any more it, Kit? Plenty. You can have it if you'll promise not to tell where it came from, Jim. If I do, Jim Bridger's a liar, Kit. He slipped the nugget into his pocket. They rode to the head of the train where Bridger found Wingate and his aides, and presented his friend. They all, of course, knew of Fremont's famous scout, then at the height of his reputation, and greeted him with enthusiasm. As they gathered around him, Bridger slipped away. Searching among the wagons, he at last found Molly Wingate and beckoned her aside with portentous injunctions of secrecy. In point of fact, a sudden maudlin inspiration had seized Jim Bridger, so that a promise to Kit Carson seemed infinitely less important than a promise to this girl, whom, indeed, with an old man's inept infatuation, he had worshipped afar after the fashion of white men long gone from society of their kind. Liquor now made him bold. Suddenly he reached out a hand and placed in Molly's palm the first nugget of California gold that ever had come thus far eastward. Physically heavy it was, of what tremendous import none of them could have known. I'll give you this, he said, and I know worse plenty more. She dropped the nugget because of the sudden weight in her hand, picked it up. Gold, she whispered, for there is no mistaking gold. Yes, gold. Where did you get it? She was looking over her shoulder instinctively. Listen, you'll never tell. You mustn't. I swore to Kit Carson that give hit to me. I'd never tell no one. But I'll send you ahead of any living being, so maybe some day y'all remember old Jim Bridger. Yes, it's gold. Kit Carson brung it from Sutter's Fort on the Sacramento in California. They've got it thar in wagon loads. Kit's on his way east now to tell the army. Everyone will know. Yes, but not now. If you breathe this to a soul, there won't be two wagons left together in the train. There'll be bones of woman from here to California. Wide-eyed, the girl stood, weighing the nugget in her hands. Keep it, Miss Molly said bridger simply i don't want it no more i only got it for a bracelet for ya or something good-bye i've got to leave the train with my own wagons afore long and head for my fort you'll maybe see me old jim bridger when you come through yes miss molly i ain't eight, as old as i look and i got a fort of my own bayin' the green river this year what I'll take in for my cargo, what I'll make cash money for work for the immigrants, I'll salt down anyways ten thousand, next year maybe twice that, or even more. I certainly will do a good trade with the Mormons. I suppose, 
said the girl, patient with what she knew was alcoholic garrulity. And out there's the purtiest spot west of the Rockies. My valley is everything a man or a woman can ask or want. And me, I'm a permanent man in these year parts. It's me, Jim Bridger, that first discovered the Great Salt Lake. It's me, Jim Bridger, first went through Coulter's Hell up in the Yellowstone. Ain't a foot of the Rockies, I don't know. I ain't a most built the Rocky Mountains, me. He spread out his hands. And I've got to be in a most doll engine myself. I suppose. The girl's light laugh caught him. But never so much as not to reverence the white woman, Miss Molly. You're all like angels to us wild men out here. We, we never have forgot. And so I give you this. The first gold from California. There may be more. I don't know. But you're going to leave us? What are you going to do? A sudden kindness was in the girl's voice. I'm going out Fort Bridger. That's what I'm going to do. And when I get there, I'm going to lick hell out of both my squaws. That's what I'm going to do. One's name blasts your hide, and to utter dang your eyes. Which, if you ask me, is two names right and fitting way I feel now. All at once, Jim Bridger was all Indian again. He turned and stalked away. She heard his voice rising in his Indian chant as she turned back to her own wagon fire. But now shouts were arising, cries coming up the line. A general movement was taking place toward the lower end of the camp, where a high, quavering call rose again and again. There's news, said Carson to Jesse Wingate quietly. That's old Bill Jackson's war cry, unless I'm mistaken. Is he with you? He was, said Wingate bitterly. He and his friends broke away from the train and have been flocking by themselves since then. Three men rode up to the Wingate wagon and two flung off. Jackson was there, yes, and Jed Wingate, his son. The third man still sat his horse. Wingate straightened. Mr. Banyan, see you fit to come into my camp? For the time, he had no answer. How are you, Bill? said Kit Carson quietly as he now stepped forward from the shadows. The older man gave him a swift glance. Kit, you here? Why? he demanded. I've not seen you, Kit, since the last rendezvous on the green. You've been with the army on the coast? Yes, going east now. All us riding back and forward across the whole country. I'd hate to keep you in buckskin breeches, Kit, but you're carrying news? Yes, said Carson. Dispatches about new army posts to General Kearney. Some other word for him and some papers to the adjutant general of the army. Besides, some letters from Lieutenant Beale in Mexico about war matters and the treaty, like enough, you know we'll get all the southern country to the coast. And welcome if we didn't. Not a beaver to the thousand miles, Kit. I'm going to Oregon, going to settle in the Naz Pierce country, where there's horses and beaver. But wait a bit before you and me gets to busy talking. You see, I'm with Major Banyan and the Missouri train. We're in camp ten mile below. We wouldn't mix with these people no more, only one way, but I reckon the Major's got some business of his own that brung him up. I rid with him. We met the boy and asked him to bring us in. We wasn't sure how friendly our friends is feeling towards him and me. He grinned grimly. As he spoke, they both heard a woman shrilling, half greeting, half terror. Wingate turned in time to see his daughter fall to the ground in a sheer faint. Will Banyan slipped from his saddle 
and hurried forward. End of chapter 26